Hey there, it's Stephen Meadows, VP of Operations for Coldwell Banker Premier. Many of us realize that dialogues can be a huge help to how we do our business. It's not that you have to memorize what to say, but sometimes knowing different ways of presenting the information can make a huge difference in how your clients understand and react to what you're saying. There is a wonderful person named Floyd Wickman who is the master of dialogues, and we wanted to share some of his helpful information on our podcast. So this session is actually Floyd explaining why dialogues are so important to your business. We hope you enjoy and that it helps you grow and be prosperous. We're here today for me to teach you the what, the when, the why, the how of handling real estate situations. 38 years I've been involved in the real estate business as a salesperson, as a manager, as a trainer, as a speaker. And in 38 years, if there's anything that came crystal clear to me, it's the following. It's number one, that the real estate market has a tendency to go up and, you want to help me out? Down and up and down and up and down. And it has always been that way. It's always going to be that way. Who's new in this room? Stay new. Stay new because you are exactly what we old-timers are on a quest to become again. That new excitement, that enthusiasm. How do you describe the attitude of a brand new person in real estate besides a little nervous? Give me a word. Eager. Eager. Their game. They go to their boss and say, man, I'll tell you what, I'm excited. And they say, boss, I'll do anything you tell me to do. As long as it's legal, moral, ethical, honest, and won't kill me, I'm game. And the first thing their boss says is, hey, new Ned, listings are the name of the game. So new Ned makes that mini commitment. That's it. I'm going to be a lister. They even go home that first night and talk to honey. Guess what, honey? Listings are where it's at. And I'm going to be a lister. <laughs> so they start working on it, right? Hi, you thought about selling your house? No, you thought about selling your house? No, you thought about selling your house? And after two weeks and 500 no's, they have this revelation. And this revelation is somewhat like, gee, you know what? This ain't so easy. So what they do is they redirect their careers and they rationalize it. They say, you know what? I'm going to lay off listings for a while. <laughs> Laugh. Now keep in mind, they ain't got none yet. I'm going to lay off listings for a while then, and I'm going to make some sales. Then when I start earning enough, I'm going to be a lister. Hey, no time like when. Now, 100% of the people that come into real estate have high expectations within a relatively short period of time. Even today, with all our high tech, 7 out of 10 fail out of real estate. They don't always leave right away. <laughs> I've seen them in the state of quit for two years before they physically transfer back to civilian life. Yeah. 
Out of every 10 people in the real estate business, we have different personalities. Holy cow, we got Ron the Rebel, we got Know-It-All, Nelly, Earl the Engineer, Procrastinating Paul, Procrastinating Paula, Tom the Time Stealer, Carl the Con Man. We got the whole gang. <laughs> Yet in spite of what our personalities are, we somehow get into just a couple different groups. We're either one of the great ones, we're a couple of the good ones, or we're one of the six out of ten that are always popping off one deal. You ever meet a salesperson always working on one deal? Their whole life centers around one deal. Oh, yeah. And then there's out of every 10, there's that one out of 10 that if they spent, oh, my goodness, if they spent 12 months in boot camp with Tony Robbins, <laughs> they still ain't never going to make it in this business. <laughs> How many ever met one of those? Some people just don't belong. So seven out of ten people don't quite get into this business. We look at that common denominator. We look at that common denominator. What is the common denominator of that top producer? Look around your offices, all of you. Listen in. Be a fly on the wall. They know what to say. They know how to say it. In every type of situation, they got that what we might construe as the gift of gab, and thus this program. That's the key to this program. Teach people what to say, when to say it. You know, Danielle Kennedy, if, how many of you have ever heard of her? She's one of the great speakers in the American circuit. Danielle Kennedy says we teach what we needed the most. If you ever see a teacher talking from their heart rather than their lips, chances are they needed that message at one time. You know, I... When I came in real estate in the mid-60s with a ninth grade education, after 10 years in the U.S. Navy, I was hungry. I wanted this business so bad. It was making it here or being a milkman like my dad. I wanted to make it in real estate. And I worked my butt off. You'll never meet anybody work more hours than I did, I can tell you right now. Work does not make you successful if you're not doing the right things and saying the right things. My first year in real estate, I joke, but I don't joke. The guys in my office in Warren, Michigan, used to refer to me as the undertaker. <laughs> I was known as a guy, all I'd ever do is put prospects in my car, drive them all over town till, till they died. <laughs> I used to think a closing was when you're on at night and at the lockup. You got it? <laughs> I always remember my wife... I had a deal pending. Oh, man. Our whole relationship was centered around that pending deal. It took three months for it to close. <laughs> then the appraisal came and low, ruined our romance for two weeks till I got it worked out. Everything centered around this one closing. My, whole, my heart, my soul, our income, everything was this one closing. Boy, what a way to live. What a terrible way to live. You need more business... You need enough business where you never have to sweat one deal, where you never have to worry about one or two deals, making it or breaking it, because, folks, they do fall through. Then, in 1967, something happened that changed my life. I learned the secret of being in control of my career. I worked for a guy some of you may or may not know. My first 11 months in real estate, my first 11 months in real estate, I made five sales. Two fell through. 
I was working on three deals all year. Then I had a revelation, and the revelation went like, you know what? This ain't working. <laughs> Some people never figure that out. Then it dawned on me, my broker was allowing me to fail, so what I did is I changed brokers. I went to work for a new guy. My friends know him as HB. Heartless broker. He's the type of guy, when he dies, I want his heart. I don't want him to die. It was just never used. <laughs> But I remember it was day one. It was day one. He grabbed me. He says, Wickman, if you're going to work here at the Lee Company, you're going to be a million-dollar producer. Get the picture. At the time, the average sale price was 11.4. <laughs> I had already been working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. I had how many closings that year? Come on, three. He said I was going to go from three to over 90. I'm not good at math. I could have been, but I went to Catholic school. No, seriously, I shouldn't blame them. Sister DePaul, she's like six foot 14. Wickman, two from four, what's the difference? I said, that's right, sister, what's the difference? Said, Boom, she slapped me, and I quit learning. But, but anyhow, I, but I made the club, and I made the club, and I made the club. What was, what was the difference? You know, I wear a ring, and people, people look at this, they think it's a college ring, and it, and it, it, it's, it's definitely from an institution of higher learning, but it's not college. It says on its Sales Training Institute, 1967. And in 1967, HB suggested, <laughs> suggested I go take a sales training course. That would be like calling <laughs> the Ten Commandments or suggestions. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He suggested I take this sales training course. It cost $1,100 in 1967. $1,100. And we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And it was once you go, it was a nine-month program. But you know what I learned how to do? I learned how to sell. I learned how to sell. And you know what? I have several rings. I've got one ring that is the uh, uh, International... Uh, Speakers Association's Hall of Fame. I'm one of 101 people that have that. I, that's in my drawer. I have another one, Floyd Wickman Courses. I built a company, the largest, longest-running real estate training program in the history of real estate. That's in my drawer. I have a wedding ring. It's in my drawer. I don't need that as any proof. I know I'm married. She reminds me every day. No, I'm kidding you. I, my wife and I celebrated our 50th anniversary recently. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Of course, we've only been married 41, <laughs> but we heard some good things about the 50th. We thought we would celebrate it while we can enjoy it. Make a note of that. Anyway, okay. Now, 41 years, and, and, and my wife lets me wear this with all the love because this has done more for our relationship than any band of gold could. It turned me into a salesman. It gave us security. When you can sell anything, you can sell anything. And what is selling? Selling, quite frankly, is words. I remember coming back from one of the classes, and I'm all bummed out. HB, heartless broker, says, what's wrong? I says, oh, they want me to learn all these words. He said, well, what's wrong with that? I said, well, it's not me. Laugh. <laughs> he straightened my butt right out. He said, Floyd, look at you. And he he taught me a lesson I never forgot, that half the people in this industry, you look and you sound like salespeople. 
Look at you. You have faces that just glow with trust. Your lips are like this. I think you sleep that way. Your eyes burn with enthusiasm. Then there's the other half of us. Our faces kind of droop. This is me when I'm not working. I could never make it on my personality alone, I can tell you right now. My voice. Some of you have voices. It's like, it's like poetry. My voice, I say, how are you doing? You check your wallet. <laughs> but I learned the words. And somehow, for some reason, the Lord uh, put me out here teaching the words to other people. So what do we say words? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about not just what you say, but help me out how you say it. For example, what are the ingredients, what are the secrets of using words to sell? See, script to me is, is fine on stage if the other actor knows their script. What are some of the secrets? First of all, the facial expression. You know, sometimes you look at them like this, and sometimes you do this, sometimes you go out like this. You've you got to change it constantly. Some people, when they put on a presentation, they, you, you'd think they were a recording as opposed to a real live person. It's, it's the body language. It's the movement of the hand. As I go through many of these dialogues, I want you to watch the hands and, and, and the movement. It's all part and parcel of selling. It's using a visual. Never tell them something you can show them. A picture's worth a thousand dollars. Come on, guys. <laughs> Why is that important? Why is one of the secrets to selling always use a visual? I'll tell you why. Because 99% of the time you're dealing with a couple. Show of hands if you agree with that. Even in the commercial world, usually it's partners. How many of you are married? Finish this. Opposites attract. And chances are one communicates based on what they see, the other communicates based on what they hear, and the salesperson that's all talk, talk, talk without backing up with a visual is not selling one of the two. You've got to sell two people simultaneously. And as you watch these dialogues, watch how I'm not just using visuals and I'm not just using the words, but I'm talking to him and I'm talking to her and I never get an answer from him without confirming an answer from her. She is as important as he is. He is as important as her. And, and you've got to be able to... And eye contact is a powerful ingredient of selling as you watch this. Look me right in the eye. Burn your eyes right into my eyes right now. Watch. When you see the dialogues, you're going to see. You look him in the eye. There's nothing that says you can trust me more than looking somebody right in that eye. Because the, the eyes, you know when they say the, the eyes are the window of the soul? It's so true. People can see how you really feel about what you're saying if you can look them right in the eyes. It's questions. If I could show you how I could put more money in your pocket than you could, would you talk with me? I'd be nuts not to. Are you familiar with what we call the highest price analysis? See, it's all dialogue. It's all, I guess I'd put it this way. What is, what is dialogue? It's script 
with delivery skill. Maybe that's the two of it. It's script with, see, because you've got to get them participating with you. You'll notice in, in, in the selling and the dialogues, there's a combination of logic and emotion. As a matter of fact, you know what I would tell every salesperson in the world? Know every fact imaginable. Know the facts. Have the facts with you. But use those emotional words. Why is it so important to say to people, so you won't feel the pain, Mrs. Wojciechowski, so you won't get hurt, so, so well, save you some heartbreak? Why are those words important? Because help me out, opposites attract. And one communicates and makes decisions based on fact. The other makes uh, decisions based on emotion. And when you've got the facts with emotional words, you're selling two people simultaneously. Ooh, selling. Selling is a great thing. People say, well, wait a minute, Floyd. Um, I don't really have that good of a memory. Go ahead, laugh. Get it on. Everybody help me out. Hap, all together. Hap. Come on, all together. Wait a minute. Did you write that? Or have you got such a good memory that if you repeat something often enough and hear it often enough, you can, you can do it as naturally as you breathe. You can cut cakes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I mean, you voice and fly. Happy birthday. You can do it any way you want. Once you get it down pat. There's no such thing as a bad memory. There's only low desire. I read a letter recently, just the other day, I was reading, rereading a letter Zig Ziglar sent me. And, and, and I, I asked him one time, how many know, you got to know Zig Ziglar, okay? I'm fortunate enough to say he's my personal mentor. And, and he wrote me this letter one time. I asked him, I said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I, I don't want to get in front of audiences and make people mad. What do you recommend, you know, and, and things like that? Uh, what, can I allude to it? But anyhow, he wrote me this whole letter gave me a whole bunch of ideas and thoughts. But the bottom line is, he said this. He said, if something is worth doing, listen to this, only Zig Ziglar could say this. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly until you get it down pat. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly until you get it down pat. Wow. You know how many people are not going to use a dialogue until they get it down pat when the truth of the matter is the only true way you'll really get it down pat is watch it here, watch it here, watch it here, and then even if you don't feel 100% comfortable, do it. It might be poorly, but you'll come out of it better, stronger, more effective. You all agree with that? Yeah. Let, let, me, let me give you 10 quick dialogues, just 10 quick ones, and they're real simple. You'll, you'll remember them. Each of them only have two words. If you can learn these 20 words, 10 dialogues, two words each, I know you can put an extra 30, 40, 50 grand in your pocket if you're busy every single day. Matter of fact, many of you already have because of these words. Can I go through these? The first dialogue you use anytime anybody says anything designed to knock you off your track. No problem. Now, let's pretend we go on a listing appointment. We ring the doorbell, we smile, we pay a compliment. We take them to the kitchen table, we sit there, and right about then they say, you know, after we hung up, Floyd, Sheila and I were talking, and we decided... We're not really going to be listing our house right away. And instead of saying, oh, crap, 
You've got to understand, here's what you're saying in your mind. This is so important. You're saying in your mind, you know what? Not out loud. But as you're sitting there, you're saying in your mind, you know, it's so early in the game. I mean, I just got here. We haven't talked about timing. We haven't talked pricing. We haven't talked about different finance. I mean, you know, at this point, I, I'd feel the same way. I'd, at this point, hey, let's not list our house yet. But maybe by the time we're all finished with this whole process, maybe it will change. So I'm not giving up now. It's not an old crap now. It's, a, it's too soon. So I'll use these two words. What are they? No problem. And then stay right on track. Very, very important. Now this one, whenever anybody asks you if you should do something to make your life easier and their life easier, just use these two words, I would. You think I should paint this room? Help me out. And then write it down. You think I should leave this furniture? I would. And then write it down. You think we should leave the chandelier? Because you know what? Before you really understand the power of certain dialogue, you think I should leave the chandelier? Well, here, why don't we do this? Why don't we put it on the market? We'll test the market. We'll see what the other brokers have to say about it. Maybe the buyer will come along and pay you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, 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 so selling isn't talking. No, it's communicating. It's persuading. It isn't the words, a thousand, a thousand Philistines were killed with a jawbone of an ass, and every day as many sales are lost with the same weapon, I'm convinced. <laughs> Think I should paint this? Well, here, why don't we do this? Why don't we test the market? We'll see what it thinks. It'd be just as easy to go what? Now, who's new in real estate? Okay, you're going to like this. You won't, you won't even believe this. <laughs> You're going to have a buyer sitting at your desk because all your money is made right there with your phone, with your desk at their table. You're going to have a, a buyer sitting there one of these days and they're going to say, you think we should sign this today? <laughs> yeah! That's a, well, you know, it's a good idea. We looked at 42 houses. Yeah. The third one, whenever you want to ask somebody to make a decision for an inclusion or an exclusion, you want to keep yourself in the picture, prefix it with these two words, should I? Should I include those drapes as opposed to are you going to leave those drapes? Should I indicate you're going to paint this as opposed to are you planning on painting it? Keep yourself in the picture. Let me give you one more here. Whenever you're going to ask somebody to make a decision and you know they're reluctant to make it, you want to take them a little bit further, prefix your comment with these two words, let's pretend. Here, let's pretend you sign this today. Here's what's really going to happen. And, you're, and, and as soon as you say, let's pretend, you're lowering their defense mechanism. 
Let me give you another one that takes a little bit of finesse. If you watch all of these, and I'll go through them in a couple minutes again, but, but a little bit of finesse when you use this one. Be honest. If you say it the right way with the right, I think maybe that technique, that dialogue, is the most classic example of proper delivery. Be honest. Because you're not suggesting they're not. And whenever you say it, you're throwing that little bit of smile in your face. Watch that again sometime. I said, let me ask you this, and be honest. If I could put more money in your pocket than you could, would you talk with me? Be honest. If you're going to get the answer that you know is logical, it makes sense, there's no real other answer, you need to use those two words. Yeah. Let me give you the only closing question you'll ever need. Whenever you're finished with a presentation and it's time to bridge to the signature, look them in the eye, make, give them that body language, that facial expressions, they so are there. Any questions? The most powerful closing question you can ever ask at the end of a presentation is, help me out. Any questions? Sometimes you're looking for a yes from somebody and they beat around the bush. Look at if we could agree on price today, would you let me handle the sale? Well, you know what? I've been here for 22 years, and I really got to get my price, and it's really important to me because I've got the dog run behind the garage, and I... Use these two words. Is that a yes? Is that a yes? You probably have to use these words 10 times each every single day in your real estate career. You're going to ask people for a yes. Look at. If I could show you an accurate way of coming up with the right price for your home, would you want to know about it? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 it'd be a good thing to know. Well, you can't grab onto it. It'd be a good thing to know. You got to come back with, help me out. Is that a yes? Yeah. And sometimes they give you a weak yes. Is that a yes? Well, yeah. And if ever you get a weak yes, use these two words. You sure? Yeah. And when you come back with you sure, they always come back stronger, more emphatic. So if we can agree on price, would you let me handle the sale? Or if you knew you couldn't, put, couldn't sell this house for more money than what this offer is, would you take it then? Well, I, I, um, I suppose I'd have to. Well, yeah. Yeah. And they always come back stronger. It just like never, ever, ever fails. Whenever you make a proposal to somebody, and it makes sense, in other words, a fair trade proposal, tie it down with these two words, fair enough. Here, how about we do this? How about we put on a seminar? A seminar that normally sells for $125 a person. But we'll only charge you this, the company will, to offset costs. But the only thing you have to do in return is you've got to participate, be on time, sit the right way, answer, and all that stuff. Fair enough? Yeah. Yeah. And then the last. Write down the phrase, tie down. I wish I had a way to say this to every agent, but whenever you make a statement, it's important that you tie it down with some sort of a commitment question, isn't it? Which is one, isn't it? Oop, there's another one, isn't it? 
Whoop, there's another one. Well, you want to hear more, don't you? Whoop, there's another one. Whenever you make a statement, let's, hey, boy, this house does suit your needs, doesn't it? Two words, you, and you don't even have to know dialogue to come up with the two words. But whenever you're going to make a statement to somebody, tie it down with two words. Usually ending, it in, ending in it, they, and that's called tie-down questions. Those are called tie-down questions, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Selling is fairly simple. There's only eight steps. There's only eight steps to be successful in real estate. Just eight. Step number one, you've got to prospect. You've got to talk to prospects. But that's not enough. Talking to prospects doesn't do it for you. Step number two, you've got to close for an appointment. You've got to end up with an appointment. Step number three, you're over on that appointment. You've got to take control. Because if you're not in control, you're just going to be a visitor giving information. Step number four, you've got to be able to qualify them. Step number five, you've got to be able to sell them, put on your presentation. Step number six, you've got to be able to effectively discuss price, get the right price. Step number seven, you've got to close. And step number eight, you've got to service. You've got to service it. Listings are the name of the game. But worse than no listing is a listing that doesn't sell. You make a sale today, it doesn't mean it's going to close. You oftentimes have to service it, and that requires almost as much skill. I'll give you an example. Let's take listings. Let's say, for example, I'm prospecting, I'm prospecting, I'm prospecting, I find a FISBO. I close for an appointment. I go over there. I, I get control of the appointment. I qualify them. I find I can probably help them out. I sell them on using a realtor. I sell them on using me. We come up with a price that I'm willing to try. I close for the signature. That doesn't mean I'm going to make a commission. It's a month and a half down the road. No activity. What do I got to do? I got to get a price reduction. And I'll tell you what. There's an infallible dialogue. When you understand the secret of what I just said, the secret to the eight steps, then you're ready to use the dialogue for getting a price reduction. And by the way, I'm going to say this about pricing. There's nothing wrong with any listing that the right price and terms won't cure. I had an agent walk up to me one time. When I tell you this, I want you to laugh. He said, hey, Floyd, I had this listing on the market for four months. Nobody's looking at it. What, what do you recommend I do? I said, lower the price. Here's what he said. He said, it's priced right. <laughs> some of you, no offense, but some of you out there, you're thinking, you got this listing, it's getting no activity, nothing. You honestly believe it's priced right. Let me tell you something. In basic marketing, if something is on the counter and nobody's picking it up and talking about it, it ain't priced right. I didn't say that to him because he didn't buy my product yet, so I thought I'd be a little nice for a while. So I said, well, what do you think the problem is? He said, I think it's the location. I said, okay, move the house. <laughs> he said, I can't do that. I said, right. All you can do is lower the price. Mr. Seller, if you want to sell, you've got to lower the price. 
Oh, we don't want to lower the price. Oh, well, that's okay, then you can't sell. Oh, no, we want to sell. Oh, we got to lower the price. Well, we don't want to lower the price. Well, you can't sell. Don't be mad at me. I already own a home. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the dialogue, but it's the attitude you got to take. You know, we get to be chickens. We get a listing. You know how much money, it, you, you know how much money in this room alone is not going to be earned if you don't go out there and get price reductions? Yeah. How do you get the price reductions? Listen. Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, the reason I stopped by tonight is uh, we had a meeting uh, concerning your, your home in the office, and uh, there was, um, um, well, many years of real estate experience, and it was collectively agreed uh, that if we leave your home on the market at its current price, that's about the same as not even having it on the market at all. So, so the reason I came by is... Uh, um, I, I, I basically brought two forms with me. The first form I brought with me is a price change form. And collectively it was agreed by many years real estate experience that if your house is going to sell, this is the price it'll sell for. Well, wait, before you say anything, let me, the other form I brought over, this is a complete cancellation of listing. If you see your way clear to signing this one, I know I can get your home sold. If you decide to sell this one, and assuming my broker will, then this would free you up to list with somebody that maybe doesn't care. So the reason I stopped by tonight, folks, is I need you to okay one of these tonight. Any questions? Fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity gain. What will make them sign the price reduction is because you're offering to cancel it. By the way, if it expires tomorrow, it won't work. <laughs> okay? That's why early in the game, you've got to go back and be willing to take that cancellation. I've never seen that fail. I've never seen that fail. I'll tell you where I, where I learned that, baby. I learned it when I was managing and the market slowed down. We'd have price reduction campaigns. I'd get everybody in the office together in Farmington, and we'd say, okay, everybody put on the board a listing that isn't yours that you believe is overpriced. So we put it on the board. Let's, let's pool. What do we know we could sell it for today? What do we know we could sell it for today? Prepare two things, a cancellation, price reduction. Go see those sellers, and almost everybody comes back with a price reduction. Every now and then, you'll get a cancellation. If you do see your hand their hand reaching over there, maybe you need this dialogue. Oh, wait a minute, I just had a brainstorm. <laughs> maybe what we need is a fresh start. Sometimes a new number, a new photo could make all the difference in the world. And then sometimes, did you get a price reduction? No, but I got another 180 days to work on it. Maybe by then it'll be worth it. <laughs> The opposite of something like that, truthfully, is hope in itself. And when, you, when that seller signed the listing, in so many words, you said, I swear I'll do everything in my power to get your home sold. The least you can do is go back and make it more saleable. So if we look at all of these steps, prospect, closing for the appointment, taking control, 
I want to go through these one at a time. I want to start with prospecting. Now, what is prospecting? I, I, don't, I don't know how to even e explain it. I think the best description I ever heard, I'm, I grew up on the east side of Detroit uh, for a little while. We went to Assumption Grotto School at, on Six Mile Road in, in uh, uh, Gratiot. Yeah, and I, well, I know I was thinking of the name of my friend. I remember my friend uh, went to confession, and he, he, he did his, uh, hey, Father, forgive me, I did hanky-panky, and uh, that's how we used to do it then. I used to, and, uh, and the priest, just trying to absolve him, said, well, was it, was it so-and-so at the library? No. Was it so-and-so at the bakery? No. And anyhow, he couldn't get an answer out of him. And, and, and I asked my friend, I said, hey, did, did the priest absolve you? He said, nope, but I picked up two good leads today. You know? <laughs> How could you possibly, I'm dead serious. I mean, forget about whether you, you, you're, you're cold calling or knocking on doors or you're calling Fisbo or calling expires. Why would anyone, don't be mad at me, in their right mind not be talking to a prospect every single day at the very least? Proactively. You got the people to call. You know, no call this. Holy cow. We, I have it on good authority that, that, that real estate agents all over the United States are, are, are lighting candles in churches to give thanks for the no call list. Because they weren't doing it anyhow, now they got a reason why they can't. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, I got to tell you, I, I've been doing some coaching. I meet these people in Chicago. We're talking a bunch of the coaching students I've been working with. We're talking in Chicago, and a couple of them, one, one of the guys in Southern California, he said, you know what I'm doing? I'm cold calling clean lists. He's, he's, he's cross-referencing the clean lists. He's cold calling them. He says, I'm getting people to call me back using this dialogue. I have a real estate matter to discuss with you. If it's convenient, give me a call. My name is, and here's my number. And Tom says, the beauty is, Floyd, zero people are calling him. I am getting answering machines, but guess what? I'm getting leads. And it's so simple because I don't have to talk to a human being until they call me back. What a powerful way to cold call. Cold calling might be easier today than it's ever been because you don't have to talk to a human being unless they call you back. Just think of that for a couple minutes. Look at that look. You look like deer in headlights. <laughs> But, that, but, but, but cold calling call isn't the only way. Look at the for sale by owners out there. Look at the expireds out there. Holy cow. Look at all the leads out there, the referrals you can generate. Look at the people in your farm you haven't talked to in so long. Man, running out of prospects never happen. You'll never run out of prospects. The question is calling them. That's always the biggest challenge. Let's just talk for sale by owners for a little while. Can we do that? Is that a yes? All right. You sure? See how that works? And I love it. Let's talk for sale by owners. You've often heard me say that I don't believe you can necessarily list a FISBO, but you can always play the FISBO board game. You can't always go on a for sale by owner and end up with a listing, but you can always move them up a square. And when you fill enough squares, the FISBO is yours. One square is getting in the door. 
Another square is being able to qualify them. Another square is putting on your presentation. Another square is showing them why they need a realtor. Another square might be pricing. Another square, there's nobody that isn't skillful enough right now that couldn't at least fill up one square with a FISBO. And it could be as simple as getting in the door. Mr. For Sale by Owner, it's Floyd Wickman. And there's a couple extremes. You know, we have the low guts technique, and we got the lots of guts technique. The low guts technique, look, if, if I had a buyer, would you be willing to co-broke? Yes. Well, let me come over and look at your house. You can get in the door. There's not one person in real estate can't get in the door using it. Then there's the high guts. If I could show you how I could put more money in your pocket than you could put in your pocket, would you be willing to talk with me? Powerful way to get in the door. Then there's the middle line. Kind of like good, better, and best. The middle line is the fair trade secret. Why don't I do this? Why don't I stop by, look at your house while I'm over there. I'll leave you some information, can help you sell without using a broker. And the reason I'm willing to do that is if you ever need a broker or your buyer does, if I can do something for you now, maybe you'll think of me. Fair enough? Yeah. There's nobody can't get in a FISBO if you really want to get in the FISBO. I know what the problem is, but, but Floyd, what do I say when I get there? Anything worth doing is worth doing what? Poorly. Don't worry about that now, especially you new. Just go. If, if I'm, you know, I've been in my new training program, uh, uh, my new training program, I focus a lot of energies on pushing people toward FISBOs. On the basis of, you can list the FISBO, you can list anybody. If you can list the FISBO, you can list anybody. If you can cold call, it doesn't mean you can list the FISBO. So I push them into FISBOs as much as I can. And this new person comes up to me and says, I want to be a FISBO machine. What should I do? I'd say, just go see FISBOs. Go talk to FISBOs. Get your head kicked in this week. Go talk to 15 of them, okay? And when you come back after 15 of them, just talk to them. Just ring their doorbell. Go talk to them. You'll come back. You'll be stronger. You'll say, you know, you know what I learned there? Actually, most people are very nice, Floyd, and, and they're interested in hearing some things. And, and wow, what a pleasant surprise. Here, listen, let me tell you something. There's two agents. One never works a FISBO, and the other one does. This one says, oh, no, FISBOs, they eat, they're young. <laughs> I don't know, no. No, no, they don't want to talk to any agents. And they're all selling their own now, you know. Yeah, and uh, plus, they want too much money for their house to begin with. And, 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 you know, this one says, actually, they're, they're pretty nice people. Every now and then you run into one, you know. Um, Didn't you see my ad said no agents? Yes, sir, and that's why I'm calling, because my boss said I was the closest thing to no agent he ever saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after they chuckle a little bit, maybe you find out they're just average people. Which one knows? Which one is right? It's the one doing it. It's so true. Yeah. However, if we know there's three different dialogues to get in, co-broke, put more money in your pocket, or fair trade, then what you got to remember is they don't always say, come on over. They don't always let you come over. So you know what you have to be good at? 
responding to those hesitations. And there's only one secret to responding to any situation that comes up, and that's questions. The power of questions. You know what questions can do for a person? They can keep you in control. Now, we really don't want to use a realtor. Oh, that's no problem. It's not why I'm calling. How's the activity been on your property? Question. Answer. Control. Questions give you information. Questions let you borrow time so you can figure out what you want to say. And questions also give you an opportunity to learn, to really, really learn, besides the control and all that other stuff. And there's only really six types of questions. There's minor point. Are you on the east side or the west side of Edgemont? Ah, oh, minor point. Doesn't have anything to do with anything. You just needed a question right then. You couldn't think of anything else. Dead serious. Could be an alternative choice question. Well, how about if I stop by tonight at 6, or, or would 7 work out a little better for you? Alternative choice. Would you want me to get a sign up right away, or should I wait a couple days till I get the card sent out in the area? Alternative choice. Then there's the sharp angle, the one that they can't say no to unless they're lying. Sharp angle is, if I could show you how I could put more money in your pocket than you could put in your pocket, would you talk with me? There's the tie-down, isn't there? Whoop, there's one. It's a good one to use, isn't it? Whoop, there's another. <laughs> you got that, don't you? Whoop, there's another. There's what I call the expanders. And that's the ones where they're not really questions. They're tell me more. So tell me more. They're tell me, oh, tell me more. Expand on that for me, would you? Oh, that's interesting. And, and what about that? Where, you, where you're asking them to elaborate, and then there's the last type of question. They're rapport builders. They have really nothing to do with anything. Oh, what's your dog's name? <laughs> oh, how old is he? Oh, cute kid. Oh, baby, so beautiful. Don't be mad. Is it a boy or a girl? You know, I remember many years ago when I was field training a real estate agent, I said to her, I said, you know, I can go on a two-hour listing appointment and probably never make a statement. I can go on a two-hour listing appointment and never do anything but ask questions and walk out with the listing. And she was so doubtful. Here's what we literally did. I'm telling you the truth. We took a briefcase. This was the old days. We cut a hole in it and we put the microphone, taped it in the hole, and put some black nylon over it so they couldn't tell. And we had a tape recorder in there that played for 60 minutes. And by the way, I have to also say it clicked at the wrong time. <laughs> you old people know, you young people, tape recorder, it's, uh, uh, never mind, it's just... It's <laughs> and she said, wow, you know, you... you I guess it is, it is possible. I wanted her to see, I wanted her to hear it, that, look, you don't have to talk. Because if you ask questions, you're in control. You get information. You get confirmation. You get closes. You, you, you learn things. And you know what else? When people are asked a question, they feel more valuable than when they're talking. 
How many of you feel that way? Show of hands. Yeah. See, right there. Boy, he cares about my opinion. <laughs> and by the way, I, I truly, truly do. I want to talk about, I want to talk about closing uh, for the signature on a listing. But I want to give you... Um, um, closing on a signature is the easy part. You know, it's all a matter of, uh, you know, you have to assume everything's done. You have to say, let me show you an approximate net. Always bring price to net. When you show them a price, this really isn't dialogue at this moment. When you show somebody a price, don't hang with the price. You'll never win the price war. But if you say, well, let's just see what this will net you, and we'll go from there. you got to immediate, let's just see what this will net you, and we'll go from there. So this is the price it looks like buyers are paying. Oh, that's too low. No problem. Let's just see what this nets, and then you can tell me what you want me to do from there. Let's take it to net. Whenever you're going for the final signature, show them the net and ask the closing question. What's a good closing question? Any questions? Then show them the basic form. Here's this, that's this, this is those, those are those. You don't have to read a listing agreement. You just got to point out the highlights. You're all done reading it. You look them in the eye and you say, so are there any questions? And if they just grunt, you hand the pen. What do you do? Hand the pen. One of the things I learned in my real estate career is if they're not holding the pen, they won't sign the listing. General rule of thumb. And they're not going to grab the pen. Give me that pen. No, no, no. Somebody's got to put it in their hand. I also found out they always take the pen. Even when they don't want to take the, take the pen. No, no, I try not to take the pen because I want to do something. Here, here. Oh, he took it. I'm trying to tell you, don't take it. Even when they tell them, don't take it, they take the pen. <laughs> Hand them the pen, direct their ciggy. I'll need your okay right here. And then always cushion it with something and wrap up. And, and after the pen and you say, I'll need your okay right here, da, 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 right here, start wrapping up. Like you're suggesting it's what? It's over. Just start wrapping up. Leave your briefcase here. Now, sometimes they say, well, how long is the listing for? Here's what you do. 180 days. As if it's perfectly normal. You know, watch my face. Most of you came through a market where you could list for 60, 90 days and make your commissions. But if the cheese moves, and folks, there's a book, Who Moved My Cheese? Trust me, it don't matter who moved it, it moved. <laughs> the, the book should be, now that the cheese has moved, where do I go? And what you got to do is you got to start taking those full-term listings, 180 days. More if you need to. And sometimes they don't want you to. As a matter of fact, they say, well, here, Floyd, I'll tell you what. We'll give you 90 days and we can always relist. You might want to say, well, hey, I appreciate that. A lot of people don't agree to do that this far in advance. Thanks. Out of curiosity, what is it about a normal listing that concerns you? And it's always one of two reasons. They think if you can't sell it in 90 days, you can't sell it. Or they think if you take it for a long period of time, you're going to drag your feet. It's always one of the two. How do you find out which one it is? You've got to ask. What is it about a normal listing that can... So in other words, you feel 
that if I can't sell it in 90 days, I can't sell it. Is that what you're saying? Okay, thanks. Uh, let me just show you something I think could make a difference. Now show them the stats, the average market time adjusted. So adjusted, the average market time is 114 days. The reason I show you that is um, I, I want to ask you a question. It's a bit of an analogy, but I'm sure you'll see the relationship. If you were going to cross the desert right now today, and I showed you proof it took an average of 114 gallons of gas to cross, you wouldn't just put 90 gallons in your car, would you? <laughs> would you? I'm serious. Yeah. You, would you put more to be safe? Yeah. That's how real estate works. See, I'm on your side. But look, I can't do the job for you if you're not going to give me the fuel to get it done. Or it's the other thing. They say, well, if you take it for 180 days, you're going to drag your feet. What if you knew that by giving me a 180-day listing, I'd probably sell it quicker? You'd probably insist on giving me 180, wouldn't you? Is that a yes? yes? Let me show you something I think, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, would be a pleasant surprise. Let's play real estate. Let's pretend it's 85 days from now. And let's pretend you're my boss. Real estate, a lot of sellers don't realize this. Are you familiar with the expired list? <laughs> let's take a look at that. Many of these sellers were thinking the same way you are. Let's give him a short-term listing so he hurries up and sells it. But, you know, they didn't realize that real estate is a business. It's like any business. As a matter of fact, you're in the automobile business. It's like, it's like your business. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you agree with this business philosophy that no money is spent till you weigh the odds in risk? Agreed? All right. The reason I show you that, it's 85 days from now. I'm what you call your direct agent. I've got to go into my boss, slap the listing down, and say, Boss, I need more exposure on Mr. Wojciechowski's house. Being a prudent business person, like all brokers are, the first thing she's going to look at is she wants to see how many days are left on the listing. If you were my boss and you were going to spend an extra dollar to, list, to, 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 to advertise a house and there was one had five days left and another one had 95 days, which one of the two would you not put more money in? Yeah. See, I can sell your house. I just can't do it if you're going to tie my hands. I used to love going to housewarming parties where I sold them a house. Because when you walk in, you're always such a what? Help me out. Hero. You're a hero. <laughs> you walk in, you say, hey, so how are you enjoying the home, Luigi? Very good. I love it. I think, yeah, now you're happy. <laughs> but I remember six months ago, you called off an ad. You wanted the address. I have to use the set-it-aside dialogue just to prevent you from wanting the address. Then, I had to use the tip-of-the-iceberg dialogue just to get you and your wife to come into the office. You came into the office, you were going to clam up on me. I had to use the buyer-safe island dialogue preview just to get you to open up. Then I started qualifying you. I found out you owned a home that wasn't on the market yet that you had to sell to buy another one. I had to use the buyer conversion dialogue just to get a listing appointment. I listed it. It was one of those rare situations. It was worth less than what they thought. I had to use the dilemma dialogue just to get them to tell me to tell them the truth. I had, to, I had to use a wholesale retail dialogue just to get it listed at the right price. Then I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget, you wanted to cut the commission. I had to use the no way Jose dialogue just to prevent you from wanting to cut the commission. Then, remember the day we found this house? You were so nervous, scared. You tried to use the parking lot bailout technique on me. I had to use the parking lot bailout counter technique on you just to get you into the office to talk turkey about this house. I had to use the build value dialogue just to get you to make a ballpark offer. I came back with a counter offer. You didn't want to take it. I had to use the reduce to the ridiculous and the five senses just to get you to say yes to this extra $2 a day. Then I'll never forget like it was yesterday. You wanted to postpone the closing. I had to use the seller might die. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, that's right, I used 18 dialogues on you, and I used them for one reason only, and that's to get you this happy. Yeah. And I love the part. He turns to all the friends and relatives and neighbors. He said, look, if anybody wants to buy or sell a house, call Floyd. One thing you'll like about him, Pete, he don't push. <laughs> You want to be happy, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? Trying to persuade somebody to do something without knowing the dialogue is pushing. But knowing the selling, that's leading. There's a big, big difference on that. People say, well, dialogues are like contactic, and they are. Professional salesmen, which I've been my whole life, it seems, and the con man use the same dialogues. The difference between pro and con is intent. And I would, I would dialogue and technique my clients to near coma, I say that nicely, <laughs> to get them to do something that I know for a fact, one day or another, they're going to thank me for. Yeah, that's selling. And that's what you're hearing now, selling. 